Theodore ran the smooth stone about his fingers. When he had first plucked it from the black box, it had been cool, like the stones you'd find at the bottom of a creek. But it had stolen some of its warmth now. It was small, barely larger than her thumb, but it managed to carry weight. It seemed to mark him as he waited in the hall made of stone. His anxiety refused to depart as his own immortal flesh. Yes, he was immortal, and he was strong, stronger than most, but he also wasn't a fool. Theodore knew that immortality did not mean invincibility. As a child, he had seen his cousin gored by a wounded and frightened buck. Its antlers had torn open his belly and strewn his entrails across miles of forest. They stuck them back in as best as they could, but not all of his organs had been recovered. And now, if he eats, he screams. And Ted was screaming when they carried him in. The chef this evening was absolutely fabulous, much better than the previous one at our last dinner party. When she interviewed for the evening, not but a week ago, at the time, we were from a journey through the flavors. Oh my, it was so wonderful how she described this evening's lineup. Just by her description of each meal, I knew at that moment that I had to have her as our chef. I instructed her to give my manservant a list of what she would need and it would be gathered. We did inform her that all of the meat was to be delivered just prior to the meal. It was a rarity, and so it had to be fresh. Everybody knows that. And, most importantly, unspoiled in any way. Though, just before she was to prefer dinner, she tried to back out. Could you believe that? And I simply could not let that happen. No, 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 no. No, completely unprofessional. She was promised compensation, and we were promised a lovely meal to dazzle my fine guests and myself. Oh yes, this would be a party to simply remember. One that would cement my name amongst the cream of the crop in our entire Epicurious gathering. An elite among elites. I simply stared at her from across the table while she was at her station with the other cooks she brought with her. All were ashen-faced with some dark circles under their eyes. Why were they so horrified by our source of meat? Surely this was not anything outside of what they've done in the past, has it? Well, in the end it didn't matter. <laughs> None of us here were a squeamish bunch. One of these poor little wretches stared at us like a simpleton with her eyes flickering between us all with her mouth and gaped like a dog. She never broke her gaze off the table, off my guests, off our attire and our centerpiece. Perhaps she was judging us. However, I could not let this little rat ruin our meal. I would not, I could not. Good host must be the picture of graciousness. I'm sorry. Where was I? Ah, yes. In preparation of the dinner party, nearly 
every guest was dressed in the most extravagant clothing, so flashy. But after the little pleasantries and introductions, we prepared for the dinner proper. None of us were dressed in anything we arrived in. There would be no need for it on this meal. Nobody here would be caught dead with blood upon any of their finery. The first course of the meal was prepared by our little dining group that night was absolutely delightful. A brescure that was drizzled in some sort of chili pepper. Still, it gives such a wonderful kick to that appetizer. Enough to stimulate the taste buds for the rest of the evening. Once finished with my plate, I gently dabbed the corners of my mouth. And it was such a shame, since there was still a nice little remainder of the sauce that I couldn't lick. It was such a waste. I took a moment and began glancing around the table at my guests. I saw other members of our gathered parties with names I didn't care to remember. After all, they were my guests. I had no need to remember these lowly people. But to be the best host at our little exclusive club, you simply must. I reluctantly have to perform that little charade. The lady who sat next to me, whose name and station wasn't important enough for me to give a damn. Pardon. It is important. She is my guest, and I must be the most grandiose of hosts. I get so distracted with these little things. This woman, she raised a glass and gave some speech to try and curry favor, I'm sure. The sycophants were rife within our little dinner club, eager for another invitation to our next gathering, I suppose. It didn't matter. These days, it seemed to let anybody into our club. But us old bloods, we still held the best dinner parties. Even after my thoughts, it Seeing machine never stopped prattling on about who knows what, and I held up a hand to silence the woman from her little babbling, almost like a brook. She stopped, and all the eyes were on me as they should have been. I am the best host, after all, am I not? I simply gestured at our table centerpiece in front of us, and suggested we continue to whet our appetites. I turned to the chef, and we locked eyes to continue our journey through the flavors. Our table let out a collective chorus of agreement eager to continue towards our meal's next course. He was screaming when we began to eat. They'd stripped him and shackled him to the heavy surgical table at the center of the room. A rusted iron slab beautifully engraved with a whirling bouquet of flowers. The table designed to remind you that this was a rare and special occasion. He was pale and 
pockmarked with goosebumps. An older lady, I didn't catch her name either, began gently massaging his bicep, trying to soothe him as a mother would a colicky child. He spat curses at her, but the others simply joined in as though it was an inside joke, running their hands all over his chest and gut soothing and cooing above him, gently kneading the knots of his thighs. There was a younger male, perhaps not even 20, briefly cupped his testicles and ran off red-faced when he was struck by a bout of giggling. The whole table laughed at that one. As we began collecting the meat for our second course, it fell to me, the host, to start the first cut. He squirmed a lot, his buttocks were bouncing off the iron as he arched his back and twisted his body. Oh, this one was such fight, oh yes, very good. We had no concern of his struggles though. We knew the table would hold him, it had to be built for heavier, much stronger people. And some of the people at our table still had to hold him down. <laughs> But this was just the beginning. He kept spilling everyone's drinks over, and everybody knows that drinks are a must at this event. What's wrong with him? Uh, straps, of course, would have prevented this, and, but it's so hard to cut around the straps. Anyways. We started with the bones, oh, I, I particularly relish this part. We use it to cut where the legs meet the hip and where the arms meet the shoulders. You see, once those are removed, the torso can squirm about all at once. It's, it's quite comical, actually. It's, it's a lot like if you were to flip a turtle on its back, then the knives come out, yes. The cleavers, the boning knives, the, the sharpening blades, Ooh, even some ugly serrated ones. They don't serve any purpose other than being serrated and to enhance the cuts and the screams. And that is when he screamed loudest when we began cutting. Even when parts are no longer attached, there is still a pain associated. Yes, yes, they, they call it phantom pain. And you see, even when a limb is removed, the brain still thinks that it's there. And so any perceived pain that may be at that spot, the brain tricks you. Isn't that wonderful? After I had learned that, it only made this whole thing even more beautiful, even more delicious. <sighs> Anywho, when this was happening, he still screamed, thinking that the leg was still there. Oh yes, this all just enhances the situation. <sighs> Unfortunately, his penis was gone before I even got to the table. Though this makes sense, you, you simply must get to that quickly. You see, they have a wire hooked into the perineum, right? And an electrostatic 
charge keeps him erect. It's quite ingenious, really. But, with all the blood loss, he's not going to last for long. So, they whack it off, scoop out the testicles, and fry them on the spot, not unlike poached eggs. You can pretty much eat any part raw, but you must cook after that. It's too chewy otherwise. Garlic and butter, that's actually how I like mine, but you can get any part cooked however you would like. Our cook for the evening was directing her underlings on which which pans to use in pots and grinders and which she thought would work for that. That's it, she was over the hump now. I think it seems we may have found a personal chef for this evening. I jumped when they put his arm in the sausage crank and his fingers began to snap and crack. It's a brutal and violent sound. <sighs> but they mix the bone in with these different little spices and truffles and you scoop it onto bits of baguette. It's very fancy considering most people are barefoot and in tunics. But you see, you must be. Blood gets everywhere. No matter how neat you think you can be, you're going to end up leaning against something, or touching someone, and there you have it. No one wants blood stains on any of their finery. Some people wear rain cloaks, but that's just ridiculous. No, no, I know what you're thinking. Nobody drinks the blood. You've heard too many tales. Slander and completely unfounded. You see, what we do with the excess blood is it goes into these cutting drains, you see. Though some of the blood collects in some of the engraving and filigree upon that iron table. It makes the roses turn this lovely shade of crimson. Some of the cooks put a little blood in our stews or use it for basting or you can get a splash of it in their spirits, but nobody throws back a glass of the humor. Do you know how much iron is in the blood? It would ruin your palate for the evening and that is why we're here. And if you can't enjoy it, why are you here? No. No, no, no. Nobody drinks the blood. Most of us were full before we even got to the torso, but you see, in, in our defense, he was a big man. I'll tell you what, though. You haven't seen anything until you've seen a chest crack open. It kind of just bursts, and then there's, there's, there's all this blood that splatters around, and everything is going a mile a minute. See his lungs are heaving up and down, up and down, and his heart is just pumping. It's pumping, trying to get all of the blood that's been lost to all of the limbs that were cut. Remember those limbs that are lost? Yes, yes. And then we just kind of dig in, just these serrated little spoons. You can scoop any little part that you want. I can remember all of this so clearly from the evening. But, you see, that's when the fellow stopped screaming.
His eyes rolled back a little, and, and I thought he was going to go. I simply can't have that. More than a few of them gladly slip into this sort of silent insanity. But I had to slap him on the face, and that's when he looked down into his open chest, and he, and he freaked. Yes, yes, like nails on a slate. That's part of the ambiance, you see. That's when one of the chefs also punctured his lung, and you could see the air leak out of it. It just deflated like a wilted flower. The lung had collapsed, and he started making these these gagging sounds, and he turned a little blue in the face, and his, his tongue was waggling, and all these wet little clucks and clucks, and then he was silent. It was then that somebody saw he was crying at this point, and they asked to have his cheek sliced just ever so much. You see, the tears are very salty, filled with natural flavor, and the cheek meats taste a bit like pork belly. The eyes are never eaten. They keep looking around, even as the head is removed from the torso and the skull is sawed open. To take someone's eyes would be to steal their soul. A body with eyes is the difference between a meal and a cadaver, you see. You want to see them looking at you. You want to see the horror realized within their gaze. You see, that's how you know they're really alive. And this is all really happening. They serve honey wine, and then we just chatted and enjoyed each other's company as you see, it is my job as the host to finish the brains. They save the brain for last, of course, and it's always reserved for the host. It takes a while, but we simply must finish it. I've heard stories about people who stop dreaming or lose the ability to laugh, or they find they can no longer read, and that's usually because they didn't finish the Rain. Everybody knows this, of course. They left behind the part that controls that. And so I sat with my legs crossed, leaning back into the high chair. I swirled the wine within my glass, watching the legs drip ever so slowly. The crawling nature of the legs reminded me of how slowly the blood sloshed into the grooves of the floor as my servants cleared the dinner table from last evening's dinner parties. With a sniff in the center of the glass, you could smell the aged casket that gave it a, a smoky aroma. You could taste the different fruits once the wine hit the pockets of your cheeks. Mind you, you still need to swirl it in your mouth to truly appreciate the flavors. We're not animals, after all. 